stakes could not be higher. With the House and the Senate, along with gubernatorial and local races, Attorney Sidney Powell talks about election fraud at the midterms. A President Biden delivered remarks this week on democracy, political violence, and the midterm elections in a televised address from Washington's Union Station, calling the biggest threat to democracy MAGA Republicans. Yet a new poll says the media is a bigger threat to democracy. Dinesh D'Souza on the president's speech and impact on the midterms. And then whistleblowers say the FBI is rotted at its core. House Republicans release a 1,000-page report spotlighting that corruption with the FBI and DOJ. Dr. Elizabeth Lee Vliet is here on the FBI whistleblower story and to celebrate Viewpoint this Sunday's five-year anniversary. A defining moment, an inflection point in America. Viewpoint this Sunday is next. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Alone. Five incredible years. Uh, We launched this program back at the first week of November in 2017, my fellow Americans, and here we are. Wow, five years later. You know, we launched this at a time when it was so clear that the media was out of control and nothing has changed very much. I'm speaking specifically a lot of the Sunday programs. You you know what I mean. The, The Meet the Press, The Face the Nation, The Fox News Sunday, all of that Sunday programming uh, appeared to be uh, very toxic. And it was in that era uh, with, well, really where the term fake news became very relevant to Americans. And the purpose of Viewpoint to this Sunday was to give a different narrative and viewpoint and more than that, the out loud truth. That was the basis of this program, to put it out there on national talk radio and let the chips fall where they fall. And it has been an overwhelming success to be sure. Uh, Thank you for making it the number one program on America Out Loud Talk Radio. And uh, this is no small task this week, to be sure. It is elections in America. The midterm 2022 comes at a very interesting time. Uh, And there's a lot to talk about on the broadcast today. Big conversations, big programs. We'll start with Sidney Powell here. And uh, Sidney is an attorney a former federal prosecutor. She was the lead counsel to General Michael Flynn uh, and really the center of the storm in a lot of the election uh, 2020 uh, chaos, if you will. Uh, She's the author of the bestseller Licensed to Lie that is available at any bookstore back at America Out Loud, a talk radio bookstore as well. So, Sydney, we are on the... uh, Cross fear of a, I mean, just, you can almost hear a pin drop in the country, it seems. And nerves, I, I, I mentioned nerves. Uh, I think people have a sense of the importance of the moment 
Let's start there at the moment. Pretty, pretty big election coming up here, huh? I, I think it's probably the most important we've ever had. I think more people realize that than ever before. And congratulations on your five-year anniversary. I think that's just great, Malcolm. You've done amazing work. Thank you, Sydney. Thank you. It is a milestone, to be sure, indeed. The, the program is a lot of heavy lifting, but it is surely worth it. So l- let me give you a couple of headlines here. Uh, ABC News says, Americans express broad concerns about the risk of political violence. NPR says concerns of violence grow as Election Day nears. Uh, uh, One of the Nevada paper headlines says threats of voter intimidation, extremist violence cloud the midterms. CBS News says NYPD warns polling sites remain potential targets for extremists. How legitimate do you think these stories are, really, in the sense of this? And, and what I'm wondering is, you know, here's a, um, a, a bit of a quandary I have. In, in 2020, we remember the media and the DNC used COVID as a tool to promote fear, which created a toxic environment and a fertile ground for really, I would say, voter irregularities at the very least and outright fraud, many would say. They don't have COVID this time uh, around. I mean, the, the rules have changed. So last election, the game was to promote vote in Sydney. I mean, you remember it was vote, vote, no matter how you vote, vote from the graveyard if you have to just vote. Uh, could it be this time since the country has been trashed now, there are no policies that are effective, that the DNC needs something to run on? Are they trying to suppress the vote with these stories, I wonder? I definitely think that's part of the plan they are aware that more people are furious in this country than ever before. They've been harmed some irreparably by Biden's policies, the Biden regime, as I call it. And people are planning to turn out to vote in absolute record numbers as they should. That's exactly what we need. We need to overwhelm the polls with people who want to vote on election day and vote for Republicans. And I think all this media is is part of the setup for whatever that they're trying to do. And they're gonna blame it, of course, on uh, white extremists and far right extremists. They ignore and did ignore, of course, Black Lives Matter and Antifa and all of their horrible violence. Yeah, it, it appears there's always a narrative There's always some sort of a narrative if you watch uh, how the media, uh, how they squirm through some of these stories and it changes. And and I was wondering because, you know, I I don't think there's anybody listening who would say that they have benefited by the policies of this administration. There's nobody I know. It doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat or independent. Uh, You've been hit with these kitchen table issues that are most important. So there's nothing really vibrant to run on for this administration. Now, in this uh, story that Politico has, listen to the way they frame this, Sydney. They say, in areas of the United States where pro-Trump supporters spurred lies about the outcome of the 2020 election, including where local (laughs) officials have recently reported incidents of voter intimidation, law enforcement is adding additional security to poll locations and ballot boxes. Now, I'm getting a very odd, strange feeling at this moment coming into 2022. What do you say? Uh, I agree with you. Well, I mean, they've they've flat said outright 
that Trump supporters are dangerous. Biden himself, I believe, said that in a recent speech. It's outrageous since Trump supporters that I know are the most law-abiding people and constitutionalists you'd ever want to meet. It's a fact. You never see violence uh, around the MAGA people that I've ever seen, but you surely see it with, with uh, with the far left. No, all you have to do is go back to Trump rallies. And remember, we finally found out that the Democrats were paying people to go start fights at the Trump rallies. It wasn't Trump supporters doing it. It was paid agitators. And and the Democrats will stoop to nothing to try to stay in power. Well, that's what I was wondering coming through this now, because, you know, you knew a couple of 60 days ago, 90 days ago, they were grasping because, again, the the track record of effective policies for Americans is zilch. It doesn't exist. I mean, they have decimated the country. Really, what I would say, Sydney, is they've trashed the country. They've completely trashed everything from the economy to our energy uh, to immigration. Everything has been trashed. So there are remnants uh, that uh, reek of a third world country all around us. And how do you run, a, you know, a masterful campaign? And y- if you notice, there's been a lot of um, uh, there's been a lot of space between President Biden and the candidates. He's not a, he's not capable of being out on the uh, voting trail. You see, they have Barack Obama out all over the weekend here. <laughs> I right? saw that and it didn't appear to be very well received at all. There's nothing they won't stoop to to try to stay in power. So I I remain very concerned, but I encourage everyone to get out on Election Day and vote. Vote straight Republican this time. All right. So if the Republicans are successful and flip both the House and the Senate, here's a quandary for you. Will the Democrats scream foul? Will they call for election fraud? Oh, uh, I, think, I think they will. I think they're already setting it up to do that. And and the irony is that they're the ones who first made the allegations of vote flipping and machine fraud and a person in an unknown location doing uh, running a secret server to change the votes. They did it back in 2004 when Bush won Ohio. I think you have an article on your website about that. Yeah, we do. But isn't that going to be quite interesting once the votes are counted? I mean, I think this is going to be a very telling moment. Here we are, a constitutional republic, that uh, we would be at the center of both sides calling for election fraud, uh, which you always see in other countries. You see that in a lot of, well, you certainly you see it in a lot of third world countries and a lot of others as well. What does that say about our country, though? It, it is such a mess and so inconsistent. It's If they do that, then it will be that there was fraud in every election except the one where Trump lost. <laughs> it, does, it, it, it doesn't begin to make sense. But, but nothing they do makes any sense. None of it. Not a single policy they have makes any sense unless you consider the possibility that all they want to do is grow government power, which they control, and and continue to engage in corruption globally to line their own pockets. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look now. Let's step back a moment and talk about the state of the race right now. Uh, Let's start with the House of Representatives. So we have a lot of different reports uh, about 
what that will be. First of all, do you think that will uh, unequivocally turn red? I mean, do, what's your sense of, and what kind of victory are we talking there in the House if it happens? I think we will definitely gain enough seats to control the House, or should. Uh, I mean, again, Malcolm, we're we're presupposing here that people turn out in enough numbers to overwhelm the cheating, because there will still be a massive amount of cheating. So the trick is to to overwhelm it on election day, and we'll just have to see. But the the sentiments of the country are totally against the Biden regime. You know, at some point, the light bulb has to go off with Americans. And I'm speaking of independents, moderates, and even our beloved Democrats that are not Marxists, that are still back in the, the JFK Democrats. These people who truly love our country may have a different ideology or political belief, which is really all American. We not expected one political party, everybody to act the same or vote the same. Uh, but it's it's this Marxist global world economic forum turnover where they're trying to turn America into just another third world shithole. Exactly. I don't see how it could be put any better. It's I mean, extremely concerning. Yeah. All right. So the numbers in the House, I'm seeing that people are saying the victory margin and there could be as much as 70, 75, 80 seats. Do you, is that too uh, aggressive or do you think it's possible? Oh, I think that's entirely possible if the votes are counted properly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Beyond the House, what about the United States Senate? How how comfortable are you? There's a lot of these key races now seem to be coming back the other way more toward uh, the, uh, the the Republican Party. Are they able to take that Senate back and to do anything? We're not just you know, you, you really don't want a 51 seat majority there. You really need to have a because some of the Republicans are rhinos and vote with the Democrats on key issues. So you really need a, a 54, 55, 56 majority. Can they do that with the Senate? I think it's entirely possible. Again, we've got to encourage everyone in earshot and everyone in earshot needs to encourage everyone they know to get out and vote on Election Day. Do you have a sense of optimism right now? I mean, what's what's the butterflies in your in your gut tell you? I would say uh, cautiously optimistic. Uh, I know what the American people want. Uh, but I know that's what they wanted and what they wanted in 2020 as well. The answer will only be known as we see it play out in front of our eyes. What's the Chinese curse? May you live in interesting times. We we certainly do. We're making history every day. And we've got to pray unceasingly and work unceasingly to get the truth back in our government, to get God back in our country and to restore this republic. That is the voice of Sidney Powell, my dear fellow Americans, and uh, what a privilege to have her on uh, just before this major election. What an amazing program today, I'll have to tell you. And up next here, we'll be talking to Dinesh D'Souza uh, and get his uh, insight uh, in a very um, deep conversation with uh, Dinesh on the electorate and the races and what's going to happen next year. Very, very fascinating. Okay. Please tell him hello for me, too. Thanks yeah. so much for having me on. Oh, Sydney, it's a privilege, absolute privilege. Yeah. Well, there was a great deal more to talk about with Sydney. So in our pre-election coverage, I have an extended interview with attorney Sydney Powell that I'd love you to hear. That plays tomorrow on Monday on my daily broadcast, The Voice of a Nation, at 6 
or 11 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Now, reports are that flu cases, hospitalizations, and deaths nearly doubled in the past week. This is not the time to be laxed, my fellow Americans. You know, when COVID-19, flu, and respiratory viruses meet, it could wreak havoc. They're calling it a triple-demic, potentially. Well, arm yourself with Cofix RX. It's a nasal hygiene made with povidine iodine, and it kills the pathogens in your nasal cavities before they ever get into your respiratory tract. What you do is you do a couple of squirts in your left and your right nostril. Every eight hours does the job. And listeners get 20% off with the code out loud. You can go to cofixrx.com forward slash out loud for that discount. And then a strong immune system is the best defense, no doubt about that. The power of healthy cell delivers with immune super boost. It's a micro gel and the absorption of vitamin C, vitamin D3, zinc, echinacea extract, elderberry extract. And also while you're there, look at the focus and recall, especially for those struggling with brain fog from COVID. You can boost your brain power and sharpen your focus. You get 25% off your first order with any of the Healthy Cell products. You can go to healthycell.com forward slash out loud to get that discount to get those products, or just simply click the banner ads right back at americaoutloud.com, and it'll put you right in there to get the discount. Friends, do your research and protect yourself and your loved ones during this harsh flu winter season coming up here. Well, it's a defining moment, an inflection point in America. Our pre-election coverage continues next with Dinesh D'Souza. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. All right, you've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the povidone iodine-based nasal spray Cofix RX. They talk about it because it's a product that actually works in combating colds, flus, and coronaviruses. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. It's simple. By attacking viruses where they incubate, you make it easier for your body to heal. Check out the Cofix RX banner ad on AmericaOutloud.com and save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD. The spirit of American liberty and justice is woven into the soul of America out loud. We are the voice of a nation, the American nation that is. This is Malcolm Out Loud. I invite you back to AmericaOutloud.com where the fight for liberty and justice continues. America Out Loud Talk Radio. 
defining moment and inflection point in America. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Out Loud here. It is uh, an enormous time for our nation. Also a big week for us here, being our fifth anniversary. Uh, you know, we launched Viewpoint back at that very first week of November in 2017. And here we are five years later. A lot has happened in the country, in the nation to be sure, in our lives, all of us. And uh, now we have won a significant election just in front of us. Um, a lot of conversation to have here. Let's uh, bring out a, just a terrific voice and a uh, wonderful friend of the program here. Dinesh D'Souza is here, and it's been a while, Dinesh, uh, but uh, it's awesome to have you on here, sir. Yeah, it's been too long. I'm delighted to be back. And uh, boy, what a time it is. Yeah, what a time it is. Let me tell folks as well, as folks know, uh, Dinesh is an author, filmmaker, host of the Dinesh D'Souza podcast. He does it on audio and video. And if you all remember, you might have seen the film, the documentary, which was very powerful, 2000 Mules. Well, he's just released the book on it. Uh, and that is out there well available. We'll link it to all of the notes here and on the broad, on the uh, platform as well in the America Out Loud bookstore, friends. So you can check that out as well. All right. So we're calling this Dinesh a defining moment, an inflection point in America, which is actually the, the president's words. So he delivered remarks this past Wednesday on democracy, uh, political violence and the midterm elections in this uh, uh, big address, I guess, from the Washington Union Station. It was promoted and advertised uh, just prior as an unscheduled uh, speech, which always makes you a little nervous when they say that. I want to start with the fact that any president would have this kind of a speech just days before a big election. What does it tell you? Well, it smells of desperation, doesn't it? It's it's almost like there's a last ditch effort to prevent the hemorrhaging that is going on of democratic support. Uh, from previously reliable Democratic groups. And I mentioned two, Hispanics and suburban white women. Democrats did pretty well with those groups um, and they've counted on those groups. And now both the groups are fleeing the Democratic Party. So Biden can't run in his record. He can't say, hey, listen, uh, look how good things are. Prices are down. Economy is doing well. He cannot say any of that. Uh, I have foreign policy successes. He doesn't really have any. So I think that um, I think that they decided to go for this really bizarre line of reasoning, which is basically that the way to save democracy is to recognize that there's really only one legitimate party in America. In other words, the way you save democracy is you exclude the Republican Party from consideration. There are two parties in the country. Only one party stands for democracy. The other party is basically anti-democracy. And therefore, even if you don't agree with the Democratic Party, even if they've been bad for you and bad for your interests, you don't really have a choice. Don't vote for the Republican Party. There's only, I mean, it almost seems like Biden is saying we really need to have a one-party state to save democracy. Yeah, and part of the message was that if you vote Republican, democracy is over. Uh, that was the message he was delivering just days before this election. A lot of people did take a, a form of desperation from this. A couple of things to remember, though. He obviously is not the one writing these speeches. Very clearly, no president specifically writes his speeches, although they can surely redline things and perform accordingly. But 
obviously, more than that, this president, many believe, is really just going through some sort of motions in whatever way. He's not really making the policies or shaping these policies that there are others uh, because this kind of a speech was pretty loaded. It was pretty heavy. Are Americans on to this at this point? Do you do you believe across the board that it's really he's just a figurehead? He's just delivering whatever talking points appear to be put in front of him. Well, I think that's true. Uh, I, I think that this goes back all the way to the election when I think a cabal around Biden basically said to him, hey, listen, the good news is that you don't even really have to campaign. You can uh, you can talk for for a little bit and then you can retire by 11 a.m. in the morning because we've got this all figured out. So he knows that he's sitting um, motionless in the canoe and it's been that way from the beginning. I think the message that the left is pushing, they're the real ventriloquists. They're using Biden as their mouthpiece. He's the puppet. And um, but look, I, th I think if anyone thinks about it, the real threats to democracy come from the people who rig elections. And they also come from mm -hmm. people who collaborate, uh, use the state to collaborate with tech platforms to mm -hmm. ban all the opinions they disagree with. I mean, the Biden administration hasn't just been colluding on restricting hate speech. They're colluding on suppressing COVID debate, election debate, uh, debate on a whole range of issues that they, you know, debate about the Ukraine. So they're actively suppressing the First Amendment. And I think we've realized in the last few days that this is not an episodic, hey, let's throw Alex Berenson off of Twitter because he put out a bad tweet. But rather, these tech platforms create special portals and they feed information into it. The government does. So even the ACLU was a little unnerved and said, look, this, this is really not allowed. The government cannot tell people what they can and cannot say. You know, we talk about the Marxist left and who you're referencing with Biden. But what about a lot of the Democrats, the independents, the moderates, the left of center, these kind of folks, as we're now coming into the, the election? It appears to be, from what I see from uh, a lot of the, uh, the the backdrop I look at here, that more and more people are, maybe they're sniffing, smelling salt, I don't know, but they seem to be becoming more and more aware of what appears to be the obvious to many of us that you just stated. It, it's almost hard to believe we're actually saying this, and they actually think they can get away with it, or do you think they know they're going down? Well, I think that they have gotten away with it for a long time. Yeah. Very few on their side have been held accountable. Even when they come up with stuff that their cover has been blown, like Russia collusion, who really paid a price? In the two cases that Durham brought before uh, a jury, both guys kind of got off. Mm -hmm. So the Democrats always feel like they have a sense of immunity. Because uh, they do, they do have it, Dinesh. They get away with everything. That's it. Now... I think that the reason people are waking up is not so much because they figured out that the Democrats are uh, abusing our civil liberties. Uh, I, I think they're waking up because they're just looking at their ordinary lives and they're saying, wow, you know, things are harder. And if I'm living paycheck to paycheck, I'm now squeezed and I don't like spending all this money to fill up my gas tank. And so I don't like all these shortages. Why can't I get basic stuff that somehow seems to get blocked? Um, so I think that they are using that kind of transmission mm -hmm. belt of the economy to then realize, to then look a little more closely. And then they, what do they see? They see Biden mm -hmm. and he's this nasty old man who just sort mm -hmm. of 
doesn't seem to care. So he barks at people, he sh shrieks, he doesn't listen to what other people say, he doesn't take into account any criticism, he always doubles down. So this is like the kind of guy who, if you see on the street, you kind of want to cross the street because you feel like he might poke you or hit you with his walking stick. Uh, we essentially have this kind of unhinged guy running the country. And I think people have realized this is an unnerving thought. The war on energy, the war on the economy, all of these major, as you just say, kitchen table issues that clearly impact everybody. This is what elections are based on. They're not based on things like abortion and your sense of democracy. They're based on things that hit your wallet and impact your family and your lives. It appears to me that they've overplayed their hand. If you were going to try to uh, change the the makeup of our country, and it appears based on this speech of his sense of democracy, that that's exactly what is at play here. Isn't it apparent? I mean, how could they have, they could not have pulled that all off, Dinesh, the changing of all the policies, the decimating of the, of the American consumer, and yet try to pull off this Marxism 101 on the nation with on the verge of an election, nonetheless. What I'm saying is we'd all have to be asleep at the wheel for them to pull this off. And say, this is the biggest heist in the history of our nation, is it not? I agree that it is. Um, my worry is really that the Republicans are not sufficiently alert to hmm. the seriousness of the situation, which is to say... They're using the same boilerplate yeah. rhetoric, which is, you know, we're back in the Carter era. Inflation is high. Uh, vote your pocketbook. Mm -hmm. All of that is fine. But what happens? Let's say Republicans do take the House and the Senate. Do they realize how much has to be yeah. um, investigated, uh, turned upside down? Uh, I mean, there, we need to remake the FBI from the ground up, probably the CIA as well. Who knows what kind of craziness has been going on in the Defense Department for the last couple of years under Biden. Yeah. So we've seen the unraveling of our basic institutions. And the only hope to remedy them is the Republican Party. But I'm really not sure if the Republican Party is up to the task. I've been telling listeners in past days and weeks, this is going to take more than one election. The damage right now to the union is significant. This isn't fixed with one election. I don't subscribe to the theory that this is the most important election of our lifetime. I never do. Every election is important of our lifetime. It's going to take a series of elections right now to fix the damage. Now, back to your point right now, I'll tell you where the danger might be. And I'd like to see what you think about this. But if they get in... And back to what you just said about all of these uh, uh, crises, chaoses, investigations that need to happen. If they put all their effort into that and just try to, which is what each party does, I don't think that that may not sit well with the American people, frankly, at the moment. And think about a long term strategy over the next three or four elections to set the sail right for our nation. Don't doesn't there need to be a bigger plan here, it, not only on some of those investigations, as you suggest, but also really get into the the basic elements of these policies and the things that are going to impact uh, our people. I mean, they're going to have to play this very, very carefully. And they still don't have the presidency for at least a couple of more years, Dinesh. They, they've got a lot of challenge ahead, don't they, in these next couple of years? I think you're right that what needs to happen is... See, if the Republicans just came forward with an elaborate policy agenda now, mm -hmm. then 
they would be setting themselves up for disappointment and defeat because whatever happens, they're not going to have a veto-proof majority. They're going to have at the best 53, 54 seats in the Senate, and that's if things go really well, uh, maybe a 30, 35-seat majority in the House. And that means you can pass legislation, but it's going to be vetoed, and you're, you're not going to be able to override the veto. So the benefit of the Republicans in the next two years is nothing more than block and tackle. They can stop pretty much anything that Biden can do, not, of course, in foreign policy, where Biden remains the commander in chief, but certainly with regard to appropriations and domestic policy. So I think what the Republicans should do is is start going after these Biden people like Mallorcas and Becerra and um, and Merrick Garland. Uh, I don't see any problem with even impeaching Biden. There are like seven reasons to do it. You could just pick one or pick two and go forward. Now, as we move toward 2024, the Republicans have got to clearly say, if you give us the presidency and the Congress, we will do these five things. And the five things need to be big and clearly specified and uh, and then, you know, you put it forward to get a mandate from the American people. But, you know, as you know, you really need all the branches of government to be able to yeah. make real change in America. And 2024 is the time to really do that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. He talked about the big lie uh, last Wednesday. Uh, he said, and I quote, it was an enraged mob that had been whipped up into a frenzy by a president repeating over and over again the big lie that the election of 2020 had been stolen. It's a lie that fueled the dangerous rise in political violence and voter intimidation over the last two years. And he's made a big lie, an article of faith in the MAGA Republican Party, the minority of that party. Based on that sentiments right there, I read, is the 2020 election on the ballot here in 2022? I, I think it is in this sense. I mean, I am not one of these guys who says that you can turn back the clock. Uh, I think that the Republicans had a, a sort of a window of opportunity when uh, they knew that there was going to be a lot of fraud in 2020. They seem to have nevertheless been extremely lackadaisical, casual and lazy in busting the fraud while it was going on. It's really a narrow window to take your cases to court. You need to have all the proof. You need to have it all right there. They didn't. Now, true, later, some of us have gone back and looked at things, and we've been able to find some remarkable clues, whether it's cell phone geo-tracking or surveillance video. But to me, the, the way to think about it is this. Yes, we should move on. I agree with Republicans who say we need to move on. But we should move on after having a certain kind of reckoning on the 2020 election, by which I mean, let's at least try to understand as best we can what happened. It's kind of like saying you got a guy who's been accused of rape and the statute of limitations has passed. And no, you can't lock him up. But you know what? If you have new DNA evidence that tells you whether or not he did it, we would like to know. So in other words, I would like to know what happened in the 2020 election. Once I know it, I can then say, all right, let me make sure it's not going to happen again in this way and that way. But as long as Biden goes around saying it's a big lie, this was the most secure election in history, uh, that is just on the face of it absurd. And I say that because 
Think about it. I mean, absentee ballot and mail-in ballot fraud is the most common type of fraud. And this has been known for 100 years. And it is exactly those types of ballots that were ramped up dramatically in 2020. So presumptively, it can't be the most secure election. And besides, who has ever made a comparison of the 2020 election and the volume of fraud with all previous elections to show anyone uh, or me that the amount of fraud in 2020 was the least? Has anyone made such a demonstration? No, it hasn't even been attempted. So from the beginning, this was a preposterous, dogmatic, superstitious statement. And the fact that they went around calling everyone who disagrees with it, you know, an election denier or we got to throw you off social media. I mean, this is just an intellectual embarrassment. Points of reference to national democracy. This is a word that is completely out of context consistently in a constitutional republic, clearly. But there's a reason they use that in the way that they do as often as they do. It was a centerpiece of this bizarre talk this past week here. And he said that he he mentioned, uh, you know, the elections, the economy, the safety of our streets, the personal freedoms, the future of health care and Social Security and Medicare. They've been bringing that up along with abortion, because, as you stated, when we started talking here, they had no other concurrent policies that were effective to run on. So you started to pull things from the sky, like abortion, like Social Security, Medicare, things that nobody was really talking about. But this is what you try to use. He said, but there's something else at stake, he said, Biden said, democracy itself. I'm not the only one who sees it. Recent polls have shown. Now, listen to this. An overwhelming majority of Americans believe our democracy is at risk, that our democracy is under threat. And to see that uh, that uh, democracy is on the ballot this year, and they're deeply concerned for it. And he goes on, here's the thing I want to, this was interesting, the way he put it out there. And he blamed all of that on MAGA, the Republicans, the 2020 election, and really pivoted to uh, blame even the attack on Paul Pelosi on the MAGA movement, which is how he opened up the speech, actually, which was completely bizarre. Here's the thing. There was an interesting poll just a uh, oh, two weeks ago here uh, from the New York Times Siena poll. Uh, uh, listen, majority of registered voters say the media is the threat to democracy, not Trump, not the election, not all the things he just spoke about. And this was overwhelming. The, the media outranked Trump, outranked Biden, outranked the Supreme Court as threats to democracy. Listen to this. Among those who fear for democracy, 84% of them, of roughly 60% of all registered voters, view mainstream media as some sort of threat. And we're talking 95% of Republicans, uh, 83% of independents, and even 70% of Democrats, registered voters, are united against the media despite the party affiliation to say the media is a threat to democracy. It's pretty telling, isn't it? Yes, and we see it. Um, we see the um, the way in which these journalists have become propagandists. Their almost uh, casual acceptance of lying as a way of life. Um, not to go into the Paul Pelosi thing, but I don't know if you saw that little clip on social media where a journalist 
is literally asking in the press room, hey, am I allowed to say that this guy is a nudist? Is, is, is that allowed for me to say or should? In other words, you get the idea that he's perfectly willing to be at the service of the at this hmm. press conference. If they don't want him to say anything, he's going to leave it out of his story. He's not really a journalist anymore at that point, is he? And I see this with the fact checkers of 2000 Mules. They say things that you can only believe if you haven't seen the movie. And so AP, the Associated Press, Ali Swenson, she goes, well, Dinesh says that the mules in his movie were wearing gloves, but you got to remember it was really cold in Georgia in January of 2021 during the runoffs. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if you saw the film, none of them are wearing, none of these people are wearing woolen or leather gloves for the winter. They're wearing latex gloves. And you can see that as soon as they put the ballots in the box, they take, they discard the gloves, they throw them in the trash can. So what kind of a preposterous explanation are you giving? And, and how stupid do you expect people to be? Now, again, if you haven't seen the film, you're like, wow, this is really quite a fact check. But if you see the film, you realize that Ali Swenson knows better, AP knows better, but they're now in the business of lying. This moment right now, this uh, defining moment that we're calling this midterm uh, 2022 elections, they are surely important. And it it is some sort of an inflection point for the country. It's it's a moment where we'll either recognize what's really taking place here and, and answer accordingly, or uh, whether we continue to go down this path of self-destruction very clearly. Right now, let's look at the the overall race, Dinesh, looking at the House and the Senate and even the gubernatorial races. What is your sense? Uh, the report, let's start with the House a moment, please. Um, numbers I'm hearing conservatively uh, are in the 25-40 range. Some are saying the Republicans made, uh, many other experts believe it could be a 70-75 range of House seats, a spread in the House. How significant do you think this uh, this House will be? Yes, I'm expecting this to be a very good election. What I'm hoping will happen is that people will really send a message and teach Biden a lesson because this all the stuff that's been going on in the country, mm-hmm. not only it's not just that I disagree with it ideologically, there's a sense in which it breaks the fundamental social compact. You know, the idea of American politics is you have a majority and you have a minority and all right, we lost the last election, but You can't treat us as enemies of the state. You can't act as if we somehow don't belong in America or the party that we vote for is somehow against democracy when the point of the midterm is an exercise in democracy. So this fundamental delegitimizing of the opposition that has gone on from the Biden regime with the help of the media, I think is totally unacceptable. And so it's up to the American people in the rare chances you have every two years or every four years to really push back. All right. So if the House is uh, some sort of resounding win, and I, as you are, we don't know what that number is going to be. We can only uh, uh, guesstimate, as many are doing, the spreads or look at some of the uh, experts. But even the experts in the polls get it wrong consistently in these elections. So that's even hard to judge. When you wake up the next following day and whatever that victory is in the House, does it look like there's a victory in the Senate to some degree in your world? Well, I think that taking the Senate 
would alone be a victory. And so even if the Republicans are 5149, right. now, if the Republicans got 5149, they would not have a de facto Senate majority in voting just because there always are a couple of wavering Republicans. And so it would be dicey, a little bit like the court has been, you know, was right. dicey for so many years with Anthony Kennedy. How's he feeling today? He was the swing vote. But the truth is that if you have 51, Mitch McConnell's majority leader, and it means Republicans control all the committees and legislation can pass the House, go to the Senate. So in other words, there is a benefit to simply having 51. That being said, Republicans, in my view, need 53 or 54 to have a real, a genuine, an authentic Republican majority. And there are reports that I see that those victories, if they play the way they are positioned right now, could be somewhere between 53 to 56. Uh, you've seen some of those reports as well. Uh, it's not out of the uh, it's not out of the uh, sense of possibilities, is it? No. And it will it will completely smack down all this rhetoric that somehow democracy is on the ballot, because, look, hey, you go to the American people and you tell them that. Your very democracy is at stake. And if you believe in democracy, you got to vote for the Democrats. And people go, well, eh, we're going to vote for the Republicans. So what are you going to do now? Call the American people fascists and say that the American people are against democracy? That's really not going to work. In fact, it's going to be laughable. Uh, and so, uh, so I think that this will do a lot to tame yeah, yeah. the Democrats in the extravagance of their accusations. Do, do, do you think, in, in, a, in a sidebar here, do you think the Democrats will blame this on election fraud after the fact? <laughs> you know, that's a really good question. I think they will blame it on the lies spread by the election denialists. In other words, people like me. Uh, and they will say that, you know, what you did was you falsely gave the gave the American people the sense of of panic and you spread lies about all this stuff. When the truth of it is they have much bigger megaphones, they they reach far more people than we do. Um, and uh, and they have been doing their best to shut us down. It's only now with Twitter that we've got a little bit of breathing space uh, and, of course, on alternative platforms. But there's still a regime of censorship in YouTube and another one in Facebook. And so we still are a long way from getting free speech back in America. No, that's part of the damage that's been done now uh, for these past many years. That's been building for a long time. It seems to be a back to this inflection moment that we are at some sort of a crisis point. I mean, you don't see this as just any other normal election via midterm or general. I mean, the stakes are much higher now, are they not? Yes, I, I would say that only because if yeah. we think back to my earlier career, the Reagan era, even the Clinton era, mm -hmm. you know, you could say that losing an election was not like losing a war. It was more like you have two sides uh, with similar goals and uh, disagree disagreements about means, how to get there. Uh, but if you lose an election, it was like, okay, that's fine. We'll give the other guys a run for a couple of years, see what they can do, and then we'll come in and fix their mistakes. So there was this kind of maybe grudging collegiality, but it was still there. Now it's a completely different situation where we feel like that side is going to do its best to destroy our livelihoods, our values, our America. And they seem to feel the same. If we win, it's sort of the end of the day for their America. And there's a so so this is a zero sum game yeah. and it's a much unhealthier situation. But there's no easy way out of it either. There's not. And Dinesh, it's a good way you say it there. It is the fight of two Americas. And I've been seeing that right along this fight of two Americas. 
That's what's really at stake here right now in this election and actually going to be in the next several elections to either depend on which path we go down as a nation. But it is the fight of two Americas, to be sure. Um, wow. Our 2000 Mules, the the film was a, was a wonderful success. It was, but the, the film was very revealing in the way that uh, it showed these uh, ballot boxes being stuffed and through all kinds of hours and all kinds of deceitful ways. Uh, the book, I'm sure, follows. I assume it follows the same path as the movie, or are there different underpinnings in the book? Well, it's more. It's a more elaborate, more systematic, more thorough account. This is a complex subject, both the G the cell phone geo-tracking, the technology, as well as the variability of election law from state to state. So what the book does is it's a kind of, it's a great handbook because not only does it lay out the case in more thorough detail, kind of crossing the T's and dotting the I's, but since the book is now coming out some months after the film, it's a it's a thorough debunking of the debunkers. I take on, you know, Bill Barr, Liz Cheney, not to mention the fact checkers from AP and Tom Bright Dreisbach at National Public Radio. And then in the last part of the book, I'm able to outline in a way that a movie really can't do concrete solutions. Problem with putting the solutions in a movie is that it seems a little bit dull at the end of a film. It's kind of like watching the Shawshank Redemption. And at the end, you have like a discussion of penal reform. You know, nobody wants to see it. <laughs> so so I took it out of the movie, but it's in the book. And of course, it gives the book a policy thrust that goes beyond the movie. Excellent. All right. So 2000 Mules, the book uh, you that will be in the America Out Loud bookstore. Of course, it's available in all bookstores and on Amazon, naturally. It is on the front page as well as you listen to this on Viewpoint this Sunday, uh, right back at AmericaOutloud.com. Uh, Dinesh, uh, thank you. Always wonderful to get your insights. And uh, I'll be anxious uh, just after this whole thing happens to recap what took place and what kind of a whiplash uh, we all got as Americans from this election, sir. For sure. Thanks very much. Uh, it's been a real pleasure. Joining me now on the broadcast is Dr. Elizabeth Lee Vliet, uh, MD, President, CEO, Truth for Health Foundation. Boy, they are doing some tremendous work, I have to tell you. Could not be prouder. Uh, also, the whistleblower report at noontime every day, Eastern time on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Uh, amazing, amazing things are happening here. I want to talk to you next, friends, about this 1,000-page report uh, that talks about the uh, politicization of the FBI and DOJ. The whistleblowers have said the FBI is rotted at its core. And, of course, we've been seeing that as you watch the bouncing balls through all of the news stories. It seems to indicate exactly that. All right, uh, Dr. Lee, this is uh, really an amazing moment because the release of that report on the eve of the election is very, very telling. So in the report, it says here, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, under the stewardship of Director uh, Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland, is broken. Uh, that's the charge. Uh, the problem lies not with the majority of the frontline agents. They always say that, by the way, who serve our country, but with the FBI's politicized bureaucracy. Uh, and so this is kind of just on the eve. So now we're going to look uh, potentially for some action here. What do you make of this report in this moment of calling out the FBI and the DOJ? I think it's been urgently needed. And thank you for having me, Malcolm. I, we have seen the weaponization and destruction of the integrity and rule of law with this FBI out of control that began actually 
early on in the Obama administration and it's been escalated on steroids under the Biden administration. It's chilling. Absolutely chilling. Even if they are successful in taking back the House and the Senate, this is a pretty tall order pushing back on these government agencies. You deal with whistleblowers all the time. You're dealing with that all over the place and the work that you're doing. What's it going to take to turn back the tide on the FBI and DOJ seriously? Actually, it's going to take a multi-pronged approach. It's going to take action in the court of law. It's going to take action in the court of public opinion. It's going to take citizens, we the people, standing up against the tyranny and against the absolute weaponization and violation of law in every one of our major agencies. The CDC is making millionaires of bureaucrats and billionaires of the proprietors of pharmaceutical firms and hiding data about the damage to the public. The Department of Justice is turning a blind eye to people who engage in heinous crimes while they prosecute those who serve the Lord. We are seeing illegal aliens, 5.5 million, crossing our borders under the last two years of the Biden administration alone. They are stealing the birthrights of Americans. They devalue our votes. They burden our hospitals, swamp our schools, and deplete welfare. This is Cloward Piven's strategy that Hillary Clinton and, uh, and Barack Obama were schooled in, steeped in like tea bags in hot water, and they have been carrying it out for the entire time they have been in political power, and they are the shadow government behind Dementia Joe. And I say that as a physician who's evaluated dementia patients. I haven't evaluated him, but I can tell you, he is so cognitively impaired, he is not running this show. The shadow government is, and the global elites are, and America, out loud, get loud. And that's what you've been doing here, Malcolm. You know, for the three of the five years you've had this platform and this show, I've been working with you closely. And we, you are doing the job that the mainstream media is supposed to do, that the agents, the educational system is supposed to do, the medical agencies that are being paid by the taxpayers are supposed to do. This America Out Loud platform is doing the job of about 10 different government agencies to inform the people and protect the public safety. That's the enormity of what you've accomplished in six years here. And I'm honored to be working with you. And I'll tell you, I spent time in the Soviet Union physically in person in my 20s. And I experienced tyranny, communism firsthand. And I experienced having my husband taken away at machine gun point by soldiers for no reason standing in a line to get into a museum. And they took him away and disappeared him for a couple of hours. I was terrified. I experienced it in the Soviet Union in the 70s. I experienced it in Eastern Europe. We were there in Argentina when they fell to the communists. We were doing some work there. I tell you, I have felt it. I've experienced it. I've felt the impression. And America better wake up. This election is going to complete the Marxist coup if we don't stand firm and stop the fraud and stop the steal and stop the crimes under this administration and the Obama years that led up to it. 
Yeah, it's going to be quite interesting in the days following uh, the 8th uh, to see, first of all, uh, what the reports are uh, in regards to people are really uh, worried, concerned with election fraud. You know, you mentioned the Soviet Union, and I and I forgot about that story because I remember that years back when we talked about it. You had that whole history, haven't been there and seen it. There are some eerie similarities right now in things that are taking place. You know, we use the word Marxism around here and throw it around, but it's actually a pretty big deal. Do Americans get the gravity of the moment, do you think? And, and right I do now, not think they do. I do think not so. think they do because Americans have never experienced anything like that. I get it because I was there. I, I, I could feel the oppression of the people. And this is exactly the Marxist communist playbook that played out in every single country. Venezuela is the most recent example. Mm -hmm. Everything we've been seeing since Obama took office in 2009 inauguration has been the Venezuelan Chavez playbook being carried out. Right. And it's escalating. It is escalating so fast that America and this is what I ask people. You have lived under tyranny for the last three years under the guise of covid. That's the prologue. And it's going to get worse if we don't turn it around at this election. Do you want to live under the covid tyranny mm -hmm. for the rest of your life? Or yeah. are you going to get the vote and watch it and turn it and stand up to speak out? For liberty. That's our choice. Yeah. Vote against evil. Vote you know, for liberty. You say the COVID tyranny. It just makes me think in a final point with you, Dr. Lee, that, uh, you know, we, we kind of referenced that a while back, almost as a trial run, actually. You bring up it a is point. a trial run. Yeah, it was. And they saw how compliant the American people right. were right. when they were scared that they might get sick. Think yeah. about how scared people are going to be if they can't yeah. get food. They're shutting down our food, energy, water, and medical care. They're killing people in our hospitals. America, this is going on right now. We're losing 1,000 people a day on average in American hospitals under COVID death protocols and euthanasia of disabled people. This is not America, and we better turn it around in this election or we may not have another chance. Well, listen, I, I give a shout out and praise to you uh, sincerely. Uh, I could not be any more sincere to tell you the work that you're doing. And as hard as you are working, I'm uh, just grateful uh, to be on your side and bringing the fight forward. Uh, it was just so appropriate to have you in on this conversation. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Malcolm. God bless you. God bless America. And let's take our constitutional republic back and stand up and defend it amen to that amen and you know my fellow americans um that's what it takes to complete the process uh what uh, dr elizabeth lee Vliet puts out there it takes a commitment at a level that you're willing to give it all and put it out there and and that's that's the beautiful that's the amazing team back at america out loud that i could not be prouder to uh, be part of something so unique and so fitting for our times we knew that when God charged us with launching this platform back in 2016, uh, it, it was going to be a task. It was going to be a task, and and uh, but it was going to be a job worthy to fulfill. And here we are. So again, just after launching America Out Loud, Viewpoint this Sunday became a thing. November 2017, we celebrate five years, and we thank you for making this the number one show in broadcast on the network and we continue to work hard uh, for that privilege and uh, thank you for joining us friends here on the mission 
Godspeed America. It's time to get involved and get loud, America.